This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. What do you do with a big Norwegian? Well, it turns out you stick him in front of goal with 95 minutes on the clock and simply hope for the best. Erling Haaland's less than convincing last minute penalty gives City a hard fought three points against Fulham. But for once, it's the midfield men who steal the headlines for the Blues. There's yet more refereeing controversy to speak about, and the famous rating quiz returns. It's Monday the 7th of November. My voice is hurting a little bit. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm David Powell. And this is the City Report podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Welcome, gents. Um, you'll have to apologise for my slightly hoarse voice. Had a very busy weekend, spent it with new mates and mates of old. Had a lovely time seeing John, Andrew, Joe from the Main Road Ramble, who were over here, uh, a podcast over here, and then Howard from 9320, obviously a football Manchester City podcasting fame. They're over in, in the UK for this game, bumped into Alex Brotherton of this parish, of course, over the weekend too, had a few tipples with him and, and, and his mates, and then match day with my dad and the usual Didsbury clan. So I'm a little worn out, as my voice probably suggests, not least from Saturday's celebration. How was your weekend though, David? Because um, you had a little bit of a different one, haven't you, in terms of your usual match day weekend? Yeah, so uh, I don't think I said it on the last podcast, but um, obviously I'm a season ticket holder, but this week was the first time I've missed a home game all season because I'm due to have my first child. Well, my wife's due to have Ooh. her first child. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that, that yeah. would be news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mini Harlan Project is about to start, so it's due any minute now. So I was... Uh, Listening to the game on the Man City app uh, while in the gym, yeah. getting very frustrated at what was transpiring in that second half. But I mean, 
I was getting updates from my dad who was there and it sounded like the atmosphere was incredible. So I missed a good one to be fair, I think. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be really good gym motivation, like listening to City crawl towards a one one draw. Like I can imagine you'd be pushing <laughs> or lifting ten times that because I'd be frustrated listening to that. Um yeah. but yeah, yeah, congratulations on that. And if if you have to bounce during this recording, please don't <laughs> miss the birth of your child. You will yeah. be allowed to go. We aren't keeping you hostage. Um so Adam, was your weekend as action-packed as mine and David's or did you have a quiet one <clears throat> mine was pretty similar to David's um I played a you're lot not, of you're Call not having of a Duty. baby are you <laughs> I played <laughs> okay, a so, lot of the yeah, new yeah. Call of Duty so yeah, I, was, I was pretty but, stressed pretty action-packed weekend for me as well um no I watched a lot of football played the new Call of Duty it's been horrible horrible weather here uh just same, pouring same. rain and whipping wind I we're we're at just about sea level but only th- at 3,000 feet of elevation, which would only take me about 30 minutes to drive to from here, there mm. is two feet of snow currently being dumped down uh, all around us. So, Yeah, well, you say that. That's exactly how it's been here in Manchester. I- I'm actually convinced, Adam, you're just in a bed set in Withington. You're not, you don't actually <laughs> live in the US. You just uh, you just have this alter ego, that this life that you live out. Um, anyway, right, we're here to speak about football, of course, so let's get into it. I don't know about you, David. I woke up on Sunday morning, today's Monday, I woke up on Sunday morning fully expecting to check my phone and see Haaland's last-minute winning penalty had been ruled out for some sort of VAR infringement in the build-up <laughs> 20 minutes before. So I had this image running through my bread, like, did it really happen? I had to check every score app, I had to look at the table to make sure it did. Because, yes, it was only Fulham at home, as many, 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 many people want to keep telling us you can't celebrate Fulham at home. They were in the championship last year. But I'm. St- it doesn't matter if it was Fulham, if it was Villarreal, if it was Barcelona, if it was Arsenal. I'm still in disbelief that City managed to get three points from that match. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, Arsenal were getting quite a lot of stick for celebrating big wins. I think it was the end of last season yeah, or the start yeah. of this season. But uh, for me, that circumstance of actually going down to 10 men Everything going, what felt like everything was going against us. The disallowed goal when Harlan came on for VAR, John Stones won in the first half. It just felt like one of those games that was going to be like a load of huff and puff, weren't quite going to get over the line. Then when you see Arsenal doing Chelsea today, it could have been one of those games that you look back and think, oh, what an absolute opportunity missed. Mm. At home to Fulham, only getting one point, but last minute penalty with it being a penalty as well I don't know about you boys but I was absolutely adamant that we were going to miss it even with Haaland I was just like last yeah, minute yeah. here we go this is this is it I was I was literally just got home from the gym and my wife was in the lounge and I was like oh my god we've got a penalty but we're going to miss it <laughs> I was like <laughs> we're going to miss it and then when it went in I was actually shocked like you I, was, I just couldn't yeah. could not believe that it went in and we got the three points I was convinced it'd get turned over, let alone that City <laughs> would miss it. So I had the rigmarole of, of it being um, given on the field. And then I, I thought, well, I'm not even going to have to worry about City scoring it because it's going to get turned over. And we'll, we'll chat referees. I promise we'll chat referees later. But it was a soft penalty. I think that's fair to say. So when it when it when the check is over, it's cleared, it's given, you're then going through another, another mm-hmm. sort of bout of emotions because you're like, Jesus Christ, no, we have to actually score. And then 
I thought he missed it. So there was like three roller coaster moments of <laughs> uh, thinking it get overturned, actually then thinking that he'd have to score it, and then thinking he'd missed it. Um, so yeah, it, it it sort of encapsulated the the entire match. But at full time, it, it was absolutely magical inside the Etihad Stadium. I know it actually probably looked even better on the broadcast because there's some great camera work. Uh, Pep Guardiola, notwithstanding, in that effort, <laughs> grabbing the camera with his bottle up to the up to the lens as well. But it was such a cathartic experience both fans players management everyone involved I think it was Mike Minai on on BBC Radio Manchester likened it to scenes you'd see after a trophy win at Wembley for example in the sense that players did a full lap of honour at full time and reminder this was a random league game in the middle of November obviously a last minute winner is a last minute winner but it felt significant and I don't know about you Adam but for me it felt like that do you remember that 2017-18 game against Southampton um, Raheem Sterling's sort of curling strike at the end of the game it, it felt like that and that unrelenting release of emotional energy at, at the final whistle they only come round once in a while, don't they? But when they do, wow, you've just got to, you've just got to soak it all in wherever you are in the world. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, w- I was going to say it felt exactly like that Southampton game. And um, it, it feels like those are the types of games that win titles. You know, it, you, we can mm-hmm. always look back at, at the Gundogan moment and, and the Aguero moment and, and you know, Vincent Company screamer against Leicester. But, but when, you, when you go back and really dissect that season or any of those title winning seasons, for instance, the 2018, 19, you go back and you look at, you know, the, the one nil scrappy win at Burnley where Aguero's goal went just barely crossed the line. And, mm. and it's moments like that, that, that win you titles when kind of everything is going against you. It's, it's a rainy night. The refereeing decisions aren't going your way. Um, and, and you find a way to win the game. And that's something that we've seen from, Basically, all of Pep City teams from 2017 onwards is, yes, they play great football. Yes, there's all this individual talent and a fantastic footballing system. But the resiliency and the ability to scrap out victories is always going to be one of my favorite Mm. things about this team. Yeah, you, you don't change those games for the world. It's like the title wins, the last-minute title wins. You don't change them for the world. Whilst a 5 nil would be nice. So that, those emotions, like like I said before, they only come around once in a while, but it's fantastic when they do. Uh, David, finally on the celebrations, I just want to check your, your preg- uh, heavily pregnant partner was okay with the celebration. You know, you weren't doing roly-polies in the front room and you weren't <laughs> causing too, much, too many problems, were you? Everything stayed relatively calm as calm as they could have been yeah I, I tried to stay as calm as possible but i had my headphones <laughs> i had my headphones in doing the uh, the harland celebration around the around the lounge and stuff but <laughs> my wife's actually very good at predicting the scores and she said 2-1 so when the penalty got given she was like i told you ah. i told you but yeah 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 Maybe we'll have to get her on the prediction show, Friday prediction show. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, when everything's calmed down. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Let, let's sort of touch into to some of the individual performances because it was a strange match and, and it was a real game of individuals whilst the collective was fantastic for City. There were some standout players. We'll work backwards. Julian Alvarez, in the midst of all the drama at the end, it feels like that Alvarez goal has gone somewhat under the radar. Last week, David, on the show, we had a few comparisons of, of, of Alvarez to Carlos Tevez, obviously a fellow Argentine compatriot. Being said, that first goal, that, that opening goal for Julian Alvarez was unmistakably Sergio Aguero-esque, wasn't it? It was 
rifled yeah. in off the crossbar. Didn't even take a touch. That's how sort of thumped he hit it. And um, the, yeah, it did. If you, if you squinted your eyes a little bit, it felt like Aguero was back at the club. Oh, 100%. I think there was actually a clip someone put on Twitter today. I, I can't remember who it was, but there was a goal that Aguero scored that was almost identical mm. to that goal. And I, I, for me personally, it's nice to have another striker in the club that's he, he's different to Haaland. But mm. I like that he's he's totally different to, say, Raheem Sterling. He, he When he's in front of that goal, he's not thinking twice. He's not side-footing it. He's putting his laces through it like he did midweek as mm. well. He, he just knows the right time to actually follow through, put the ball and the keeper in the back of the net and just has that sort of killer <laughs> instinct. <laughs> it's, it's just nice to have because we I don't think we've had a striker like that since Aguero was in his pump uh-huh. two, three years ago and it's it's a great tool to have. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at some point this season if Julian Alvarez actually does take the goalkeeper into the back of the net with one of his shots. And you just see like this cartoon style keeper flying into the net. Um, and Adam, I mean, it's natural, isn't it, being second fiddle to Erling Haaland? There's, there's no player in world football who wouldn't be second fiddle to Erling Haaland in this kind of form. But it's natural that Alvarez isn't getting anywhere near the same levels of, of plaudits. Who knows if he'd played more, if the goals would have increased, if the decrease, you know, he had a quiet game against Leicester. He's bounced back with, what is it, two goals in two, four goal contributions in those two matches as well. But we constantly say, don't we, how long it takes for forwards to bed into a Guardiola side. For my money, with, with, with Alvarez, it's been absolutely seamless. And you can take Haaland, who before yesterday had 17 goals in, what is it, 11 appearances, take him out of the team, put Julian Alvarez in and... and You've mentioned it this week, haven't you? So last week, plug and play. And it feels like that with Julian Alvarez. He's such a Guardiola player. It's it's great to see. And, and, and there isn't those hesitations at the moment anyway, like we had with Jesus and Sterling. It's pure instinct. And that's what he's running off. And, and he, he's looking so good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a reason that Pep Guardiola is going to love him. I mean, mm. numerous times in the game yesterday, you would see Alvarez tracking back all the way back into City's defensive half. To, to press and, yeah. and harry you know players on the ball and win the ball back and, and start counterattacks and that alone is going to get him into this team because that alone has gotten other players into this team but when yeah. you add in the fact that he can link up with the other forwards he's got other weapons around him that can score goals that he creates and when he when he shoots and scores the way he did in that first half and and you know the i think it was the third goal maybe second goal in the um the Sevilla game, he's mm. obviously got the composure in front of goal. And that's what City have been lacking is composure. Raheem Sterling obviously has the ability. Gabriel Jesus obviously had the ability. They didn't have the composure, and he has that composure. And for mm. such a young guy to come into his first club in a new country, arguably the biggest league in the world, arguably the at the moment the biggest club in that league mm. as in terms of you know expectations and, and ambition, his ability to kind of just take that in stride and and seemingly not miss a step since leaving River Plate is is fantastic and I want to see more of him I really do yeah I, I suppose it's just about how you get him into the team with Erling Haaland there because you, you don't want to see this sort of the way in which Gabriel Jesus was forced out wide obviously by his own admission he wanted to play there then he wanted to come back into a central position you don't want to see him sort of fiddled about a little bit you, you you love him in that central role can the two play together I suppose we'll only have to wait and see but that that instinctiveness that composure you speak about it looks so easy doesn't it it's finishing the football it looks so easy like why can't more players do it but until you've actually played football at whatever level you get in front of goals there, there is a little bit rabbit in the headlights at times and to take that sort of almost that extra second 
and not rush something, not get caught in two minds. Just go, right, okay, I can do this myself. And that's what Alvarez did. You know, you saw him not stutter in the sense that he was unsure about what to do, but he just took that time, which is uh, fantastic to see. Moving on then, we'll, we'll chat about referees. Uh, shortly, so so on to the holy trinity, or, or really a, a holy quad in Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Rodri, and Ilkay Gundogan. I sincerely hope these four players were treated to a very nice, relaxing, indulgent <laughs> day off on Sunday, because I have never seen a collection of players, David, put such a shift in. Obviously, you're you're you'd have been on the radio, so you wouldn't have ne- actually seen it until match of the day or, or the highlights later on. And obviously, all nine of City's outfield players and, and the two that came off the bench were incredible. But those four in particular really binded what was a, a sensational performance. And at times in the stadium, I, I was looking around thinking, I Fulham the team with 10 men? Because that's exactly <laughs> how it felt. It, it, you, you didn't for a second think City were the team playing a man down, Fulham playing a man up. Because it's it, it was a really incredible performance where all of them were absolutely everywhere. It's impossible to single one of those four out because they were all insane. Uh, yeah, I think exactly what you just said there is right. That those four players, from the sounds of it, I saw some highlights on Match of the Day and on the Man City website, and they looked incredible. I think Match of the Day even highlighted that Bernardo Silva was essentially playing centre back, left back, central <laughs> midfield, literally everywhere. He everywhere. was he was popping up, but you just want to see Bernardo Silva sign a new contract. You want Gundogan to be given mm-hmm. an extension because after performances like that, the pair of them, I don't know where we'd be without those two in the team next year. We, we've lost, obviously, quite a lot of players this year and replaced them well. Mm. I'd be concerned if we lost both of those players next year with the experience they've got, the legs of Bernardo Silva, what he does for the team. I, I, I would just think this this winter break, we, if we came back from it with Pep signed a new contract and those two boys put pen on paper as well, it'd be the best winter break of all time. The best Christmas present of all time <laughs> yeah. as well. And you're you spot on, David, because I don't think you get results like that without players like Gundogan, Bernardo Silva. Not just the quality, but you, you, you saw it full time and when the goals went in, how much it meant to them. And that's obviously come from a number of years playing at the club, playing under the manager. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jude Bellingham. That's really heated up the past week. City obviously very interested and in, in whether or not a deal can be done. Sort of, unlike Haaland, relies on finances, you feel. But even still, to lose those two players in, in what would be next summer's window would be detrimental for my money. Because I, I, I don't think you have, you, you, you build an identity of a club over a long time and one or two players can drop out each summer but you, if you're clever enough you replace them and the same sort of fabric remains to lose two players like that I, I think would do Bernardo Silva's sort of different to Gundogan because Gundogan you'd assume if offered would extend so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see um, but Adam the, the, going back to the, the four of them together Rodri and De Bruyne included in that too they had a combined total of 387 touches that's a lot anyway. But when you, when I tell you that Fulham as a, a team altogether had 444 throughout the 95 whatever plus minutes it was, incredible performance, genuinely incredible. Words fail at this point to describe their excellence. But I don't know, from a Fulham point of view, it, I, a lot was made about how unfortunate they were. And yes, De Bruyne was great, Rodri was great, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva was superb. But to be honest, I found the reaction a little bit difficult to storm it because they're, they're a Premier League team. They, 
they, they're not a League Two team in an FA Cup third round tie. Plucky Fulham had come to the Etihad playing the fourth division. Can they snatch a draw? You know, they're a Premier League team. They, they, they were in seventh, I think it was, at the start of the weekend. Yes, City are excellent. When you're up against a, a, a team who are a man down, I don't think you have any excuses for, for being as, as sort of negative as they were for probably most of the second half. Yeah, and they had their moments as well where it felt like they had space to attack and, and moments mm. where they could have possessed the ball and tried to go at City a little bit more. So yeah, it was a bit a bit of an odd one. It felt like maybe once they had the equalizing goal from the penalty, they felt, right, let's just see this out. But mm. that was obviously um, a mistake. Just, just on the midfielders, it, it felt a bit like... Because let's, let's not forget that when Kinsella was sent off, City still had three center backs on the pitch. Yeah. But... There was times, you know, halfway through the second half, which the two furthest men back, and I mean defending, not not like Ederson playing the ball out from the back, defending Fulham's counterattacks yeah. were Bernardo Silva and Rodri. And Akanji and Ake and Stones were still further <laughs> forward. It felt a bit like Pep gave in to the chaos and it was like, you're you're just like at it's like a school uh, recess playing football. Yeah, and you say yeah. those four kids are the best. <laughs> Give them the ball and and they can do whatever they want wherever they want to go. I mean, you look at the you look at the heat map for Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne, and you mm. look at it and you say, wait, which bits did they run around in? Because the whole thing is highlighted, <laughs> and it's like no, yeah. they were just everywhere on the pitch. How they have the energy, especially De Bruyne, because he just. He's a bit like Yaya Tori that he always looks leggy. He always mm. looks a bit heavy and he always looks like he's he's tired. How they have the energy to do that is unbelievable and I'll never I'll never understand Bernardo Silva. He's a total enigma. <laughs> I'll I'll yeah. never understand him. I get I, I get why a lot of rival clubs dislike him because having to watch your team play against him must be mm. infuriating. Mm. Do you remember him playing yeah, against us for Monaco? Yeah, he was incredible. Yeah, but he wasn't that kind of player, was he, at the no. time? I don't remember him tracking back he, and winning the ball back. I don't. To be fair, I wasn't watching him with that lens, like knowing yeah. that was him. I knew him as you know a small, intricate number ten kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember him playing like that. I, I'd, I'd be interested to go back and find the footage of those two legs and and see if he played that way. Yeah, so mm, yeah, it, yeah, I felt I felt at that point. I'm, I'm not saying like, oh, I knew that Bernardo Silva would go on to be this good because obviously I didn't. But it, he he was everywhere. It, it, it's incredible. You, you feel like he's got a travel later under his feet, or like <laughs> one of those um, one of those little toys where kids stand on him and the the sort of I forget the name of him, but you can sort of zoom about on him. And um, that's what it felt like. Right, we'll we'll finish part one with the referee chat and and good news. We've not got long to do it, so it will be brief. Um. For me, it's becoming harder and harder to watch Premier League football because of refereeing decisions. Not because they're necessarily bad, not because they're making howlers week in, week out, just because it's so confusing. And and when I go into a stadium or whenever I go and watch a football match now, it, it I don't know what to expect. I genuinely don't know what to expect. And, and Adam, I'll, I'll give you this one first because obviously you had eyes on the game. The big decisions, Cancelo, stupid, idiotic, it's a penalty. For me, I don't think it's a red card. Yes, it was the last man. Yes, it denied a clear goal scoring opportunity. The double jeopardy law is there if you make a clear attempt for the ball. But even still, there's a grey area there because you can make an attempt. So you can make a sliding tackle 
that would be an attempt for the ball, but it could be a worse tackle and it could deny a clearer goal-scoring opportunity than a shoulder barge. I, I, I guess for me, a shoulder barge is a clear attempt for the ball. It's using your strength, unless it's off the ball, which is a different question. I think him going into sort of barge him off the ball, as stupid as it was, just let the player mm. score. Let him Even let him have a shot. I don't think it was a certain goal. That didn't feel like a red card for me. Fast forward into the second half, loads of nibbly little tackles, loads of itty-bitty bits that were let go, fair enough. Time-wasting is starting to really, really <laughs> piss me off. I don't know how goalkeepers get away with it. And then finally, the, the De Bruyne penalty. Just about a penalty. But overall, Darren England, dear me, it wasn't the best showing. So I'll take this in two parts. So the Cancelo red card, I we spoke on WhatsApp during the game and you basically said it, it the the punishment doesn't match the crime which i i understand however uh, it's unfortunate but it's the laws of the game if you it, to me that's a foul outside of the box therefore it should be a foul inside of the box yeah, we so could go into a we could go in yes a, and it was a de- denial of a goal scoring opportunity yeah. he was the last man by by the law by the letter of the law it's a red card we could go into a deep discussion on whether penalties should be given in the first place, whether or not last man should tackles should be red cards, blah, 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 blah. They made the correct call on the day. Cancelo is the only man to blame here. I will never understand footballers that make last man tackles. There are moments that it makes sense, stoppage time, chasing the game, whatever, but 25 minutes into a game that you've been in total control of, surely you getting sent off is the worst case scenario. Best case scenario, Ederson makes a save, Harry Wilson mm. puts a shot wide, whatever, mm. whatever. There are many things that could happen there. Instead, you've now hamstrung your team for 65 minutes. Mm. Um, that will never make sense to me. I, I will Agreed. never hear Agreed. reasoning for it. Um, fast forwarding to the De Bruyne penalty, he got kicked. Yeah, it was kind of a dramatic fall to the ground and it was a little bit delayed. But for me, it's one of those fouls that you have to go down to show the referee that you were fouled because it was a foul, but you're a big, strong man and it probably doesn't knock you over in the moment. Mm. And you have to go down to show that it was a foul. Every player on earth would do this because you got kicked. It was a foul. You've got to go down because the referee won't give it, unfortunately, in this day and age, if you don't go down, you don't get the foul. So he's got to go mm. down. Simple as that. And now, you know, uh, rival fans have their Rodri handball moment. The one <laughs> moment that got City 95 points. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne's penalty gave accumulated City 95 points yeah. over three minutes. Yeah, it's astonishing, isn't it? Um, I, I'll, I'll wrap my chat on the on the going back to the red card. It's, I guess it's what role you want referees to operate. If you want them to be there to enforce the laws as they are written down, which notoriously are ambiguous itself, then fair enough, you know, red card. For me, I feel as if referees, whether or not they're doing this or not, is up for interpretation, but, but they should be there to sort of apply the laws in a case-by-case basis and take a look at, you, you know, using their intelligence as officials, as professional officials in the Premier League to say... Yeah, I can see why it would be this, but I think it's this bubble. It's by the by now. It's irrelevant. It affected the game. Did it affect the result? Probably. David, I don't know how you interpreted it from the from your sort of uh, your your opinion, but it was one of those games where the referee just felt subpar 
Yeah. It felt like a Sunday league game where they dragged a dad in to do it. Essentially, like, <laughs> they've done a, a lottery at the start of the game and said, right, you're going to referee today because the referee's not turned up. But it, it didn't feel like the sort of quality you expect from a Premier League game. Uh, the thing that always really winds me up the most is a lot of people say it's just a complete lack of consistency. If you're going to go to the letter of the law for last man and a penalty for that mm. decision, you think back to like the Real Madrid's uh, was it semi-final where Casemiro had done about 10 fouls that were all (laughs) professional fouls as you call it and you think well this is where he should be sent off on two yellow cards but he hasn't been that hasn't been enforced the same way Mm. as this one's been enforced I think I agree it was a red card it was a penalty unfortunately for City I think Cancelo was probably a little bit like too hasty to make the tackle based on trying to mm. maybe make amends for the most Salah situation a few weeks ago and maybe mm. that's in his head that he's right I need to make up for this I think some of his Instagram posts have been quite like mm. I need to yeah, I need yeah, to I'm going to make amends for this I'm going to work harder and it's one of those tackles that like you said you just should not be making those tackles Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Now, if you were listening last week on Monday's show, you'll realise that this the first game after the week, a match, we're starting a new segment. It's going to be taking the foot mob ratings and we'll be doing a little quiz with the two guests we've got with us. And, and as it goes, David, Adam, you were competing with each other last week and you're back again to see if you can better your score. Again, working together, I've got the foot mob Foot mob ratings again, sponsorships are available. Um, <laughs> to to show you, we'll start off then with maybe it's not as easy as you think. City's highest rated player from the 2 1 victory against Fulham. And, and to remind you, conferring is allowed. It's not going to be as random as the answer is last last week, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no poker face here. It, it is Kevin De Bruyne. I won't give you the number just yet because we may need them a little bit later on. But again, back to back weeks, Kevin De Bruyne taking home the man of the match. Now, I'm going to do some caveats for this one because I think it's fairly simple who City's lowest rated player was. 5.1, Joe Cancelo. <laughs> 25 minutes was it red card just under half an hour he is quite comfortably the lowest rated player Edison I'm not quite sure he even had a touch let let alone had to do anything else apart from put the ball out the back of the net so he's obviously down there as well so other than that the players who started who do you think was the lowest rated for City Grealish haters again maybe I think Grealish. I think that would be my answer. Would be Grealish. Yeah, it wasn't his best outing, was it? Jack Grealish, sixty-four minutes coming in as City's what is actually third lowest rated player, but obviously those caveats mean he's the the lowest of the players who didn't do a stupid tackle to get sent off. Right, okay, that's two from two. Switching it over to Fulham now because looking at their ratings, dear me, it is god awful to think that some of them. Some Fulham supporters think they were hard done by by not getting a point. Just need to show them this. Um, who do you think, starting off with the highest rated Fulham player, who do you think it was? I think it's got to be Pereira, right? Yeah, I would. I would say so. scored he a goal, and, goal. He, and he was he was good on the day as well. So Pereira yeah. is catastrophically wrong. I think he's maybe fourth highest. I've got a big wide open mouth from Adam. I've got a shock face from David. Yeah. Um, Any other guesses quickly? Like I said, I think he's, yeah, fourth lowest rated actually from the Fulham contingent. Did Leno make a lot of saves? Yeah. No, I mean, he he let in two though. 
Wilson? I, I've got no. I've had a shout. Yeah, I think I think Wilson. I think Will Wilson. Harry Wilson. Yeah. He was a threat Close. on the counterattacks. He's second. He was second highest, but it was Burnt Leno with seven point three, the highest rated Fulham player. Um, so you did you did get a shout for both of them, the the, the two highest, but it, not not quite getting the point there. Finally, then on the Fulham side, the lowest rated player because this. There's a few up for up for contention here, and let me tell you, it's in the fives. Now I'm not quite sure think, what Footmob have it as their the base rating, but that's low. Whoever it is, I think it's between the two fullbacks, Kenny Tete and Anthony Robinson. As much as I love my American compatriot, <laughs> let's go Tete. I think I remember hearing on the on the commentary that he'd made about seven fouls, so that must have uh, hindered his scoring. So you've gone for Tete. He did get a yellow card. He apparently, according to this, made 100% of his tackles. It's not got the, the numbers for fouls, but um, I don't know how they've added that up. But no, it isn't. Again, you're wrong. And he's not even in the bottom, I want to say bottom four what? again. Yeah. I'm not quite sure you guys have uh, interpreted maybe, maybe they've interpreted it wrong. You've been fine. But no, um, so I'll give you I'll give you a choice of three players. You can decide who it came from. Tim Ream, in fact, four four players. Tim Ream, Willian, Robinson, as you said, and Vinicius. So who do you think it was from those four players? So Willian was horrible and he got subbed <laughs> off. <laughs> Vinicius, did he actually do anything against the three? I, don't it's, I mean, I... I, I to be honest, I'm now. I watched that full game. I just learned that Carlos Vinicius played it. I'm not joking. <laughs> I had to watch that game intently. When you said Vinicius, I was. I'm looking at the Google lineups here, and I couldn't find him because they just have him down as CV. And I thought, who on earth is Vinicius? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think obviously it's going to make it's going to make him look worse. The fact that he was the Mitrovic stand-in. So let's go for it. Let's go, Vinicius. Yeah, Vinicius. Oh, lads, I'm afraid to say again, you're wrong. It's by 0.1. We're not good. David, David's not coming on the next Monday show because we're not good at this. You can speak yourself. I'm not quite sure you've offered much. No, 5.7 for the Jedi Robinson, who obviously didn't have the force with him on Saturday <laughs> at the Etihad. Um, right, okay. We'll, we'll finish with the, the comparisons, the head-to-heads. We obviously had De Bruyne as number one, so we'll take him out of the equation for now. Who do you think scored a higher rating? I'll tell you what, I'll give you both an individual chance to show who possibly is the best at this. Adam, who scored a higher rating between Ilkay Gundogan and Bernardo Silva? Bernardo Silva. Uh-uh. Mm. Ah, I forgot about his yellow card. Incorrect. Right, David, as, right you, as I. God damn. Can, can you sort of claim some uh, credibility back to this institution? Rodri versus Julian Alvarez. Who scored the higher rating according to Footmob? I'm going to go Rodri. Yes, finally, a, a correct answer, just about. <laughs> um, and then finally, the final of this, you can come together, you can once again sort of share your wisdom if there's any left. Gundwan <laughs> versus Rodri, who scored the higher rating? I would say Gundwan personally. Gundwan obviously got an assist. Yeah. You yeah. got the final say. 
Yeah, let's go Gundogan. To wrap it up, so Gundogan scored 8.2. Rodri scored 8.2. So it was a draw. So you don't you don't even get the you don't even get the the uh, the accolade of being able to claim a victory. It all finished a draw, unlike Saturday at the Etihad Stadium, which didn't, and City won. Um, David, thank you very much for joining us. A lot of fun as usual. Good luck with the uh, the impending birth. That sounds horrible, actually, doesn't it? It's like a, <laughs> a punishment. <laughs> but yeah, good luck in that front, and, and we'll see you soon. Thanks very much, guys. And Adam will be back, as always, every day this week. Got plenty of fun content leading up to the midweek game against Chelsea. And then the final one before the World Cup, DME, it's come around quick, hasn't it? Yes, it has. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it or if I am uh, dreading it, to be honest, yet. England versus the USA. Oh, I'm excited for that. Probably only end up being a 1-1 draw anyway. Uh, But that's to come. We will be announcing some news about the World Cup and what we're going to be doing and if you want us to continue I guess is the the question we'll be asking but that's to come later on this week Um, I've been joined by David Powell I've been joined by Adam Booker as always and I've been Amos Murphy if you could leave a rate in a review hit follow hit subscribe that would be great this has been the City Report podcast we'll be back tomorrow and until then we'll see you later Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.